Sir. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chris Meyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chris Meyer. His name was Benjamin Franklin, and here's what he said. Only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become more corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. So here's my question for you. Are we becoming a nation more corrupt and vicious? And if so, perhaps that's the reason why our laws are multiplying exponentially and our freedoms are being taken in the same way. Today on Viewpoint, we have a challenge. We have a challenge as to whether or not whether or not we're going to live in freedom or we're going to live freedom with responsibility. Now, some people think that freedom and responsibility are in a collision course. Well, probably they are, but that's not the way they should be. In fact, freedom and responsibility should be congruent. In other words, they should be superimposed upon one another so that there's very little difference between our exercise of freedom and our exercise of responsibility. So today on Viewpoint, we're going to be taking a further look at this issue of freedom and responsibility with our special guest, Bobby Albert, who joined us uh, a while back uh, concerning his book, The Freedom Paradox, uh, Is Unbridled Freedom Dividing America? Indeed, unbridled freedom is dividing America, but it's not really freedom. It's not really freedom the way our founders understood it, it's not freedom the way it was translated into our Constitution. It's not freedom. It's license. In other words, everybody doing that which is right in their own eyes, whenever, however, to whomever they wish, without any responsibility. A friend of this broadcast who's, who uh, has appeared a number of different times here, Oz Guinness, once said, Freedom requires virtue, which requires faith, which requires freedom which in turn requires virtue, which requires faith, which requires freedom. In other words, it's like a circle, a circuitous thing. You can't have freedom without faith, and you can't have freedom without virtue, and virtue uh, requires faith, and faith requires virtue, and so on, and all of it requires responsibility. The more we behave irresponsibly, the more freedoms we lose. And the more we embrace responsibility, the greater freedoms we enjoy. So here is the admonition of our guest today, Bobby Albert. He says, let's do what is responsible instead of what is merely permissible. Oh, but it's lawful, you say. It's not against the law. Really? Whose law? Man's law? God's law? And if everybody did that which was just not against the law, where do you think we would be? We might be in even deeper trouble than we are today. So here on Viewpoint Today, we're going to be talking about something that is so fundamentally important to your life, to my life, to our country. Yes, indeed, to our families, all of our families, friends. Do you realize that we have broken families all over this country? Do you realize that within the professing Christian community, brokenness is almost the name of the game? Really, brokenness in our families. 
our marriages, relationships between children and parents, between parents and grandparents and grandparents and others. I mean, the whole place is broken up. Why is that? Is there a connection between our exercise of freedom and our failure to exercise responsibility or even understand what it looks like? That's what we're talking about here today on Viewpoint. Our special guest, Bobby Albert, joining us with this wonderful, wonderful book. I call it a treasure, my friends. I believe every single listener to this program should get this book, maybe multiple copies of it, and start giving it away to people you care for. That's right, including your pastor. Uh Uh-huh, including your pastor and pastors. If you're listening today, you should get a copy of the book buy it in multiple quantities, and get it to your parishioners. The Freedom Paradox. Bobby, it's good to have you on the program, all the way from Wichita Falls, Texas. Welcome aboard. Well, thank you. It's, a, it's such a pleasure to be uh, back and, uh, and to enjoy our time together. Well, we enjoyed it the last time, and we're enjoying it again. And tell us a little bit about yourself. People need to know who you are. Uh, You've been a businessman, quite a successful businessman, for a very, very long period of time. How did you get into business? You started way back in in your early 20s, didn't you? Yes, sir. uh, When I was 20 years old, I was very fortunate. Uh, I graduated from college then. Uh And... I was engaged to marry my wife. I mean, life was really good. Mm. And, and all of a sudden, one evening when I was playing foosball with some college buddies of mine, uh, a phone call came. Mm. And one of my other friends uh, took the call, came up to me off to the side, and he said, Bobby, uh, they've just taken your dad to the emergency room he's had a heart attack mm. well uh my buddies climbed in the car with me we rushed down to the hospital and i can still see the picture in my mind walking in those double doors my mom was seated over on the left and she got up as i was walking in about that time uh our long-term family doctor I walked up, and he said, I couldn't save him. Mm. But I tell you what, my mom and I were just totally shocked. How old was your dad at that time, you know? (laughs) He was was 57. Wow, a young Turk. Yes, he was, you know, uh, so... At that point, I was thrust to become the leader of our small family business of Mm -hmm. five employees, and it it was just, it was really tough. And what did you have to do? What did you have to do? I mean, here you're 20 years of age, your dad passes away suddenly, all of a sudden, the burden is on your shoulders. Now what? Yeah, well, it's a good question. Fortunately, I was one of those young boys that, as I was growing up, I was able to hang out with my dad a lot. Mm-hmm. And when I got old enough, I, I work uh, in the business. 
uh, all the way through college, so I was very familiar with what was going on in the business. But what I had, what the biggest challenge I was faced with uh, was at that time uh, the size. Uh, we were heavy in debt, and I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the size of that debt, it was all short-term, in other words, all due within one year. Wow. The size of the debt was the same size as our total gross revenue for the company. Wow. Now, that throws a responsibility on your on your shoulders, but you had the freedom to file bankruptcy. You did. Well, you had the freedom but then you also had the responsibility. We'll talk about that when we get back for the break. Our special guest, Bobby Albert, the Freedom Paradox, my friends. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. And I welcome you back to Viewpoint. Today, we're having a very honest and open conversation concerning your life, my life, the life of our uh, families, and the life of our nation. And our special guest uh, joining us today, Bobby Albert, with his book, The Freedom Paradox, asked the question, is unbridled freedom dividing America? The answer is absolutely. Unbridled freedom is dividing America because it's not biblical freedom. It's license. It's every man doing that which is right in his own eyes without any sense of responsibility. And I'm sure you've heard, my friends, the word entitlement. Do you know how we developed an entitlement nation and people? Because we taught our children freedom without responsibility. It's as simple as that. We taught our children freedom without responsibility, and now we're reaping the result. The problem that we have is not all the symptoms that we're seeing of their irresponsible behavior. It's that they are irresponsible. How do you restore responsibility in a country that claims to value freedom and liberty, but has rejected responsibility in large measure, increasingly among our young, those 40 years of age and under? Well, before we go further, there was a famous uh, Swiss psychiatrist who got himself caught up in the uh, uh, Holocaust. His name was Viktor Frankl, and uh, he made this statement. He said, he who has a will to live can withstand almost any how. In other words, if you really have a life of purpose and direction, and responsibility, then you will have the requisite will and can withstand almost any other circumstances, whether or not your business is underwater, whether or not uh, somebody passes away quickly, as they did just in the last week, and I had to conduct a 
a very painful funeral in that regard. The young man passes away at 55 years of age. Nobody ever expected it. Nobody expected it. And you don't know how long you're going to live either. You don't know that you're going to live past the next 24 hours. So what are you going to do? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That's not about freedom. That's about responsibility. But the same Victor Frankl said this. Freedom is only part of the story and half the truth. And that is why he said, I recommend that the Statue of Liberty on the East Coast be supplemented by a Statue of Responsibility on the West Coast. (laughs) Now, that's good holy humor, I would say, Uh, Bobby. And uh, you have quoted so many things in this wonderful, wonderful book that inspires, helps us to somehow see through the muck of our irresponsibility out there and get a grip on our own lives. How in the world did you uh, come to the place, starting at 20 years of age with the your father passing away, inheriting a business that was underwater from the get-go, and then you could write a book like this? Give us the quick uh, story. Well, I, when I was faced with uh, this heavy debt uh, that matched the size of our total gross revenue of the business, I, I was... You're not talking about the national debt now, are you? No. <laughs> I'm talking about this small family business <laughs> I've employed. But, but I tell you what, I, it was kind of like you said right before, just a moment ago about taking responsibility, and that's what I had to do. I didn't understand it back mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. but that's exactly what I had to do. But I tell you what, Chuck, uh, with a lot of people helping me, Within one year, we grew our revenue by 252%, and we had the highest profit in the history of, of the business. Mm. And from that point forward, our company just kept growing, kept growing, kept growing, kept growing, until I sold it in 2011 to a publicly uh, traded company. Mm-hmm. And that gave you the freedom, gave you the freedom now to do something very powerful, uh, to use your resources and your experience to speak into the heart of we the people here in America, didn't it? Well, it sure did. And and a lot of the things that I've mentioned, it's, you know, like anything else you learn as you, you learn from your failures Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, but 36 years ago, I started seeing my work as a ministry and not just a job that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, and that took on a culture flavor in, inside our company that it, 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 it had such a huge impact on not only me, but our employees. And eventually we figured out how to minister to customers and suppliers. And we uh, we were a national and international company. We had multiple tens of thousands of customers, and we had around 3,000 uh, suppliers or contractors. Wow. We even figured out how to minister to them as uh-huh. well. And, and that's the, the main thrust that, of this book is to – it's actually – I'm still looking at writing this as I'm trying to help minister to people mm-hmm. for them to help un- 
freedom and responsibility. Well, those two words, uh, you have actually hit the nail on the head. We said this the last time you joined us here on the program, and that's what caught, caught my attention because almost nobody is talking about it. Everybody wants to whine and cry about the symptoms that are going on in our country. That's what the politicians talk about. In fact, in many respects, that's what the pastors talk about. And that's what all the people are talking about. And it's all these symptoms out there, the brokenness of the family and the fatherlessness and this, that, or the other. But the problem is almost nobody is willing to trace the symptoms back to the causes. And the reason for that is because they refuse to ask why. The why question. That same thing happens with the news media. We are absolutely obese with information, aren't we? I mean, even in our churches, we're obese with information. The problem is there's almost no real hardcore application that connects the dots so that we can be transformed. So everybody is just loaded up with all kinds of information, and uh, we're not changing. We're not seeing change you can believe in. And the reason is, when you boil it all down, we're failing to distinguish between freedom and responsibility, and that freedom can only endure in an environment of pervasive responsibility driven by the virtues presented by Christ in his word. Do I have that correct? Boy, you sure do. In fact, the, talking about root cause, is uh, it, it really comes down to the heart condition of us as individuals. Indeed. Even Alexis de Tocqueville, that secular Frenchman who came over here in 1830 to try to figure out what it was that made America great, he point, he went right to the jugular on that issue, didn't he? He sure did. Yeah. And, you know, like you talked about the will, uh, there's a, a formula that I've been working on. It's motivation mm-hmm. times action equal outcome. Mm-hmm. And the motivation comes from a heart condition. It does. And, and when you mentioned a, a while ago, you know, if you were looking at a, a mathematical uh, formula, I I use a additional formula that it's the mind times the heart equal the will. Now, a lot of people misunderstand this will like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. But just think about what's going on in the war in Ukraine right now. What what does a lot of the news outlets talk about? The will of the Ukrainians has surprised everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're so under, uh, you know, with the weapons they use, the training. Uh, they're so, and they're against a huge army, but they keep fighting because they have this internal will. And... But that will is driven by the heart condition. And I, it's interesting, some of the things you were saying. <laughs> I don't know if it's just because uh, I'm in my quiet time, my daily quiet time, I'm, I just finished Isaiah. I'm, I'm in Jeremiah. Now. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. You went from well, the frying pan into the fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and 
know, like he was talking about circumcision. And, you know, that's a kind of, we think in terms of, you know, something physical. Um, but without that physical surgery that's done, uh, disease are passed on. Mm. And so uh, the, the disease, what when the Lord has the, when he grants us the faith, that we accept him as our personal savior and the Lord and master of our life. He is circumcising our heart, right. the heart condition. And, and so when that happens, all of a sudden our heart is changed. And, and when that, that's the root cause. Well, if you receive him as your savior and don't receive him as your Lord, you got a problem. <laughs> You want freedom yes. without responsibility. Exactly. Isn't that exactly yes. the point? Yes, it is. And now, this is Bobby Albert. As I read throughout all of Scripture, if I were looking, when I was looking for the core values of Jesus Christ as the head of the church, mm-hmm. uh, I came down. It was uh, demonstrate love and obedience. There it is. Uh, Love and obedience. In fact, uh, that was that was put in a very uh, succinct song that we used to sing. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. So you, you're yeah. not going to trust God if you don't love him, and you don't love him if you don't trust him. So, and you're not going to, if you don't trust him and love him, you're not going to obey him. So the test of your trust and your love is whether you obey him. And yet the word obey has become the most hated letter, a word in the church today. Go figure. Yeah. Well, you also touched on something earlier in your comments about, uh, you know, is that uh, going to church, people are not looking for more information. They're they, uh, so many churches are wanting to just make people smarter intellectually, mm-hmm. but but like you said about the application helps bring about this will that gets to the heart and help people connect Sunday and Monday <laughs> when they go to work. Exactly, and, and because I, I have this is part of me seeing my work as a ministry. I. I Beforehand, before 36 years ago, mm. I, even though I was a Christian, I, I lived my secular life and my sacred life. <laughs> and, and then I finally figured out that everything is sacred. If you're Lord. a true Christian. Yes. Yeah. Including I, how you run your business, why you run your yeah. business. What you say, what you do, whether or not you raise your family in uh, accordance to the word, the will, and the ways of the Lord, uh, all of these things are reflective of whether we really believe. And uh, so what you've tried to do in your book here, you're not full of a lot of God talk per se. What you're doing is presenting the, the fruit of that relationship translating it into ways and other words that we can identify with and uh, make changes in our lives. But you haven't lost sight of the root, why we do these things. 
So uh, one of the things that I find so encouraging about your book, you have so many wonderful, wonderful uh, quotations. So, uh, for instance, uh, here's one. Anytime you think the problem is out there, whether it's the government, the economy, the society, that very thought is the problem. Because your very thought that you think the problems are always out there is the fact that you have absolved yourself of responsibility. That's a serious problem. Friends, freedom, the freedom paradox is unbridled freedom dividing America. Absolutely. This book will inspire you to the max. It is a $17 book. Yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. Do it today. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Friends, have you ever noticed how everybody wants to talk about our values, but nobody wants to talk about our virtues? Have you noticed that? Politicians are constantly talking about our values, particularly those on the political left. But when they use the word values, what they're depending upon is for you to interpret it the way you want to interpret it, not the way they do. So then that will put you in a kind of an agreement with them, a tacit agreement when, in fact, they use the word deceitfully. They weren't talking about your values, and they weren't even talking about the historic values of America. They're talking about the revised values that Barack Obama promised back in 2008 when five days before his inauguration, he says we are five days away from the fundamental transformation of America. That's what he meant. He didn't mean America's historic values. He meant we're going to change everything. Bill Clinton did the same thing in 1997. He went to California It was the first time in American history that a sitting American president decided to openly and notoriously address a known homosexual audience. So what did he do? Here's what he said. These are his exact words. He said, we are, in practical ways, changing the immutable ideals that have guided us from the beginning. Let's break that down. The president of the United States, liking to be photographed with a big black Bible, completely disconnected from that Bible, 
in that statement, he said, we are referring to the American people and particularly those who were in his political party. He said, we are in practical ways, in other words, on the ground, not just talking about it, but in reality, we are in practical ways changing the immutable. The word immutable means unchangeable. The unchangeable values that have guided us from the beginning. Do you realize the arrogancy of that statement is probably one of the most arrogant statements ever made by an American president, all while carrying a big black Bible? He said, we have changed our values, and we're no longer the values of the scriptures. They're new values that we have changed. Notice the values were completely disconnected from biblical virtue. That's our problem. And when we do that, when we do that, we have completely severed freedom from responsibility because the Bible requires responsibility. We want freedom without it. And that's what got Adam and Eve in trouble in the Garden of Eden. And we're experiencing the echoing consequences to this day on steroids. So, how do we get out of this trap? That's what our guest today, Bobby Albert, is talking about in this absolutely wonderful book. It's a treasure. In chapter 7, he says, we need to practice principled behavior. What in the world is that? We hardly even know how to spell the word principle anymore, Bobby. What is principled behavior as opposed to pragmatic behavior or expedient behavior? Well, uh, I tell you what, you touched on one of my favorite uh, topics uh, Uh in the book. And, uh, uh, you know, principled behaviors are like uh, fundamental beliefs. They're rules of conduct. Mm -hmm. uh, It's a... Uh, it's a self-discipline, the willingness to forego the lure of the immediate gratification or shortcuts. Or the lordship of your feelings. Yes, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Because unchecked emotions will always override your intellect. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what what I have learned is that we make choices and our choices make us. And uh, and though we have the freedom to make choices today, mm-hmm. right. it's like in biblical times, uh, they had choices to make. <laughs> you know, like I mentioned about, I've been reading in Isaiah and, and uh, Jeremiah, the Israelites, the nation of Judah, southern kingdom, they had choices to make. Oh, yeah. But, and you know how Isaiah chapter 1 begins? Ah, sinful nation, the whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. Yes. How could you have done this when I have provided such freedom for you and you have destroyed it? So then God finishes up that chapter saying, come on now, guys, let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall become white as snow. And that's kind of what you're trying to do with this book. Come on, guys, let's reason together. Yes, and the one thing that we don't have a choice of, and that is the consequences of our choices. Really? 
thing I've learned that when we make this cho- these choices is that here's here's maybe a, a helpful tool. Do you want to play now and pay later or pay now and play later? Interesting point. Because Interesting point. Yeah, uh, expedient behavior is this immediate self-gratification, short-term gain, mm-hmm. and it's driven by fear. But principle, be, making principle decisions, you're willing to make an investment in short-term sacrifices, and it's driven by your faith. And so as you probably have mentioned on, on your show before, where there's fear, there's not faith. Where there's faith, there's not, <laughs> well, there's that's not right. fear. And, and fear and has but, torment, the Bible says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just uh, what I've seen is when we're driven by fear, there's long-term uh, negative consequences and addiction. And but if you're driven by faith, what I've observed, it's it, there's long-term growth, success uh, with compounded returns. If I might share this, because there's probably people in in the audience today that feel, and, and this could include pastors. Sure, I have a chance to talk to pastors that are burnt out, about ready to give up, feel stuck frustrated over people and the result issues mm-hmm. in, in the church or what, whatever organization they're, they're leading. And, and are, they're just trying to survive rather than thrive. But there is hope, as you know, uh, Chuck, is every person, and especially leaders, can have contentment, confidence, and courage. And, yes, and what it, it, it comes back to this heart condition is when people are uh, a Christian, for example, that they go beyond just being secured by the Holy Spirit, but they're being filled by the Holy Spirit. Mm. They can live out a life of contentment, and what I mean by what it means to me is that you are content with who you are, what you have, what you do. And when you have confidence, to me what that means is as you walk among the crowds, if if there's a student walking through the hallway at the school or if it, it or an employee walking, you know, in the between workstations or out servicing in front of a customer is that their life is like a walking prayer. Mm -hmm. And it's very obvious that that's a person with confidence and with the courage is being bold for Jesus Christ. There you go. All right. So uh, one of the the, the things that we have a hard time dealing with, uh, in your book you relate a principled person with a, a person of character, of genuine character, not just a character. Everybody's a character in some respect, but we're talking about a people of godly character. 
And so you have this little chart that I think is helpful here. A character-driven person or a principle-driven person does right and then feels good later. But the emotion-driven person or the pragmatically-driven person feels good and then tries to do what is right. The character or principle-driven person is commitment-driven. The emotion or pragmatically-driven person is convenience-driven. The character-driven person makes principled decisions. The emotion or pragmatically-driven person makes popular decisions. Sounds like politicians, doesn't it? It sure does. And and the the character, a principle-driven person, asks, what are my responsibilities? But the emotion or pragmatically-driven person says, what are my rights or freedoms? Boy, if that does not lay out in black and white the difference in attitude. And you talk in your book about the way we think. Of course, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But uh, this matter of the way we think and how we focus on freedom versus responsibility determines our destiny, determines the destiny of our children, our families, our congregations, and yes, even our nation, doesn't it? It sure does. You know, this is a reason why my wife and I have three boys, and when they, of course, they're adults, they have their own families right now. Mm -hmm. They heard from me until they probably started rolling their eyes. (laughs) You know, it is, hey, boys, you got to protect what your eyes see Mm -hmm. and your ears hear. Mm -hmm. And it, it, because uh, I, 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 I used an example that I learned when I was in college. Well, tell us about that example after this break. It's all about protecting okay. your mind. We'll be right back, friends. The Freedom Paradox. $15. We'll put this book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Again, you're listening to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, Bobby Albert. Our special guest with his book, The Freedom Paradox, is Unbridled Freedom Dividing America. He's absolutely right. Everybody wants to pursue their rights, and almost nobody wants to pursue their responsibilities. It's my rights. It's my rights. It's my rights. It's my rights. And he's saying as a parent with three boys, 
He had to help them to understand their responsibilities rather than their rights. Here's what he did. I've, I've got a list of things that he said he talked to his boys about. What kind of music are you listening to? What movies do you plan to see? What TV shows are you watching? What videos are you observing? What websites are you visiting? What magazines, books, social media are you reading? What video games are you playing? What language do you and your friends use? And what jokes do you tell? Wow. And that's just the beginning, isn't it? Well, <laughs> it's exactly right. And i tell you what, those same questions are, the, are excellent questions as adults. We need to be asking ourselves today. Really? Especially... Mm-hmm especially if I have my own family, because mm-hmm. I was asking myself these questions. Yeah. Because I was, I knew that in front of our three boys, I was modeling uh, what a dad's responsibility was, mm-hmm. and that was to provide and protect our family. Right. And and so uh, they, I, Chuck, I think I, if I can say this, without it sounding like I'm bragging, but I am bragging, <laughs> is, <laughs> is all three of our boys, I mean, when they were younger, you know, they did stupid stuff at times. I uh, mean, I, I'm saying this in a funny way, but right. I, at times I thought I was going to have to kill them. You, know? <laughs> but, you mean they were but, obstreperous? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But I tell you what, I'm so proud of our boys. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the wives, they allow the Lord to bring their wife to them. Mm. And, and our daughter-in-laws are like daughters mm-hmm. uh, to my wife and I. And wonderful. That just didn't happen like that. They home all three of them chose on their own to homeschool their kids. They're active in their church. They mm, mm, mm. excellent jobs. They manage their money well because we taught them how to, you know, manage money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they uh, their children are very behaving, and and it, it, it's uh, I'm just so proud of them how they turned out when at times I thought I was just like beating my head against the wall. They're never going to get it. Right. Well, you had a long range view. You were planting a family garden of people, of kids and ultimately grandkids. And you had to do that by faith. You had to do that with discipline. You had to do that with a, a long range view toward the results it wasn't about how are people looking at me today because I'm disciplining my children and they're not. No, it was, this is what God would have me to do because I trust him to know how to raise a family. I trust him to know how to prepare children. I trust him to know more than what Dr. Spock taught people back in the 1940s and what our current uh, teachers and so on are telling people now. You trusted God. You did simply what he said. And now you can call it proud. You're actually rejoicing in the fruit of your labors, aren't you? Well, exactly right. I, my wife and I, you know, we have nine grandkids. And I'm, I, I still daily pray for our family still 
I was way back when they were young boys. Sure. Uh, you I, got to. I still, I, I'm, I mean, I feel like I'm a, the spiritual warfare, you know, in the spiritual warfare to, for our, even our grandkids and how I behave around those grandkids. I hope I'm setting the right example and teaching them, uh, keep pointing them to Jesus Christ. And some of them are, have, uh, got old enough that they understand and uh-huh. are now Christians. And I mean, I could see a difference in the countenance of some of the, uh, the couple of the older ones that when they finally prayed to receive Christ, mm. but Chuck, they was a couple of things as not only being the leader of my family, but when I left our company, uh, even though we were highly successful, mm-hmm. I, I, I was like the spiritual leader of our of, of the employee, mm-hmm. and and but so I don't go around talking about this that much. But when it, I would just go, I would set aside a, a, a Saturday and just go to the office. And set in each individual. We had over 150 employees, mm-hmm. and I would sit in their chairs at, you know, where they ever worked. Uh, we also had a business that required, you know, driving some trucks. I'd go out and sit in the truck of the, you know, uh, the, the, and I would pray for those people. Mm. And and uh, so you were literally a father, a spiritual father figure for them. Mm-hmm. You and, felt and that way in your heart. Mm-hmm. I, I really did. If, if, if I could share maybe two things here is in Matthew 12, uh, uh, verse 29, it says that Jesus told this uh, to the spiritual leaders or supposed to have been the spiritual leaders and the Pharisees, but he mm-hmm. said, or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. That's like me being the dad of our family. Mm-hmm. And then indeed he may plunder the house. So I was praying constantly, Lord, I, I, I know I have this responsibility to be the strong man of my home. And I need, I need everything that you, <laughs> I need help. Mm-hmm. I need you to give me the opportunity to use all the tools you you provide for me so I can lead my family correctly. But I tell you there's a a song, uh it's an old it's a pretty old song. It's uh, by Phillips Craig and Dean. And I'm trying to remember the title of the song, but the the message in that song it it's a it's about a dad that was uh, it, I related to it because it was about a dad that was tucking in his son in bed at night mm-hmm. and had prayer. And as he was walking over to turn off the light uh, in that bedroom, he was praying, Lord, I want to be like you because he wants to be like me. Wow. And that, I mean... I'm getting chill bumps right now. <laughs> well, absolutely. That's that's critically important. And, uh, you know, it's like Emerson once said, the ancestor of every action is a thought. And you had to have the thought 
of responsibility before God to raise your sons uh, in a way that would uh, not just take them to church, but the responsibility to be a truly God-fearing man and a God-obeying man. And when you did that, your character was revealed. You were in it for the long haul, not the short haul to try to make them feel good, not to try to make other people think how wonderful you were. You had to take the hard road. And uh, that's what uh, that's what sets you apart. And I, I appreciate the fruit of your labor here in this book. Uh, the paradox, you talk about the paradox of process. We have to value the process as much as the end result. We just do. And if you don't value the process as much as the end result, then you're going to try to cut corners. You are. Parents try to cut corners all the time. Pastors try to cut corners. That's what the whole church growth movement was about. And then the secret sensitive movement, cutting corners to try to make disciples without making disciples. <laughs> I mean, you just can't do it. It's substituting pragmatism, seeking the fruit without the root. Now, bringing this back to our government, bringing it back to our nation, you quote James Madison, the father of our Constitution. He said, we have staked the whole future of our nation not upon the power of government, far from it. We've staked the future of all our political constitutions upon the capacity of each of ourselves to govern ourselves according to the moral principles of the Ten Commandments of God. Wow. John Adams said, we have no government that's armed with power to restrain us. Our government was made for a moral and Christian people and is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Our problem is we have not balanced freedom with responsibility. The responsibility came from God's word, and that we have rejected in place of the pursuit of freedom, the fruit rather than the root. And now we see the fruit doesn't look too good, does it, Bobby? It's you know if you, if you when you mention the fruit, what, this is one thing that I teach is culture is the fruit and not the goal. I, I see it in a lot of business environments. Mm-hmm. Is they've made culture the goal rather than them doing the right thing, talking about responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, and by doing the right thing, the Lord is the one that provides for this, a bowl full of delicious fruit that's hanging on a tree. Hmm. Well, Bobby, you have uh, done a masterful job here in this book. It's a simple book, uh, only, only about 200 pages. You can read it very easily. You sit down, take a little highlighter uh, like I did, and uh, start looking at some of these masterful quotes that he has here. Uh, so encouraging. We need this kind of encouragement. We need this kind of direction. In fact, Bobby, what we're doing today is discipling for destiny. That's what we're really doing. If you want to put it in spiritual terms, we're discipling for destiny right here on this program. Teaching people to obey God, to follow him in his ways. And God says, if you'll do that, If you'll do that, you're going to have my presence with you. 
and I'm going to accomplish for you what you cannot accomplish yourself. All right, the freedom paradox, friends, the un, is unbridled freedom dividing America? You bet. It just is. Everywhere, in your families. Friends, let's start. Get into our families. Let's say you're a grandparent right now, just like Bobby and I. We have tremendous opportunities and responsibilities. It's not about the freedom to go chase a white ball around on a, a grassy golf course. There's nothing evil about that. But if you think that's what retirement or your age is about, friend, you have an upside-down view of freedom and responsibility. That's why we're the problem we are, because we just do not see life from God's viewpoint, and viewpoint determines destiny. Bobby Albert, give you a holy hug here. My, my uh, business friend across the uh, airwaves here, thank you so much for your book. Friend, it is a $17 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Ready a check at $5 for postage and handling. This book is worthy of getting to as many people as possible, Christian or otherwise, pastors, parachurch leaders, fathers, grandparents, moms. Let's get the message out. If you want to enjoy freedom, we have to come back to responsibility. They go together like love and marriage. Thanks for joining us again. Become a partner. Send your gifts, friends, by faith to Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Do it today. Don't delay. The other guy's not doing it. That's because freedom is not free. We'll be right back. Tomorrow. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.